Welcome to Food Chat, a weekly show that's all about food production, including farming, ranching, processing, and basically all things involved in getting food from the field to your plate. Now, let's get you reconnected to your food, and here are your hosts, Greg Bloom and Chef Jackson Lamb. Talk about an uphill battle, 2,000 acres of beans and cattle. He don't ever get rattled. He just goes to the sun goes down. This is Gregory Bloom, your host at Food Chat. Welcome to Food Chat, where we're reconnecting you to your food. We're interviewing today one of my friends, Taryn White at Thunder's Catch. Hey, Taryn, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Great. I'm glad you could call in. Um, I wanted to talk to you about what you do for a living, and, you know, we've had success Um here in Colorado, promoting your salmon that you catch yourself. Yeah. And so, you know, it's funny, Taryn, um, I think you grew up in Colorado, but Colorado is not a big fish-eating state compared to, like, you know, I lived in Japan for two years, ate tons of fish, lived in Los Angeles for four years for college, ate tons of fish there, being on the coast. Uh, but you come to Colorado, and, you know, people aren't as used to seeing um, high-quality fish here, and I, they don't need it as much as what I found. You know, and sushi is yeah. very popular and stuff, but uh, um, I wanted to ask you, Taryn, how, how did you, tell us a little about your background and, and how you how you got started fishing and catching salmon. Yeah, no problem. I, uh, well, gosh, my, my parents start this, started this off 45 years ago up in uh, Bristol Bay, Alaska. Um, so when I was, God, when I was a baby, two months old, they brought me up. I've never been down here uh, for the for the summers. I'm always up there every summer catching fish and learning how to do it. And um, gosh, I'm 39 years old now and have my own boat. And I, uh, my dad, I, I crewed with my dad on his boat for many, many years. And um, he kind of taught me the ropes. Now I have my own operation and my wife and I, uh, yeah, we catch the fish and we bring it back down to supply all the, all you guys in Colorado and uh, all the states, really, we're trying to. It's pretty neat. What you do is so unique, Taryn. I don't think I've ever been able to buy fish before I met you where I actually knew the fisherman that's catching the fish. Because, you know, you go to the retail store uh, and you pick up the fish and... You know, then you you look at it real close, and you look at the small yeah. printer on the back. It's been farm raised, color added, might even be imported. But you know, it's very hard to find unless you catch the fish yourself. It's hard to know where it comes oh, from. Oh yeah, and a, a lot of people in the you know the Midwest, the East Coast, they they usually eat farm salmon. They don't know much about the wild, and you know when you get closer to Seattle and the, the coastline, there's more fishermen, and it's. There's a lot more people who are aware of this uh, farmed versus wild and definitely understand it and prefer the wild. And um, we're trying to get that spread to the Colorado the, and the East Coast as well. Just, it's just so much better for you. Right. Tastier. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It tastes so much better. So let's walk through this, Terrence. So you're up there fishing. You have your own boat. You and your wife yeah. have your own boat, a newer boat, too. You, I know you replaced your boat last year. And so um, you're catching yeah. you're catching specifically Alaskan salmon, right? Yeah, so you're catching sockeye salmon. And in Bristol Bay, it's the largest run in the world, and it's the most sustainable it's ever been in history. So this past, gosh, these past four years have been 
record runs. So in uh, this past year, it's been it just blew everything out of the water. Usually, a run in the past twenty years, on average, is twenty-five million fish going up five different river systems, and uh, that's a lot. So the river systems can only handle about twelve million. After twelve million go up the river, they can kind of overpopulate, and all these all the salmon can. Oh, I don't know. They can stir up the nests of the eggs. So if you have too many fish up there, it can kind of hurt the reproduction. But so that's why Fish and Game is so good. Uh, Alaska Department of Fish and Game they they let us know when to fish. They're monitoring exactly how many fish are going up each river and saying, "Okay, fishermen, hold off for a second. Let's just let let a bunch of fish go up on this tide." And, and then they watch these fish. They count them going up the up the river and they're like okay fishermen let's let's start fishing so we don't get too much fish up there and um anyways we had so much fishing time this year because there was just swarms schools of fish it was pretty neat to see um and we had so much fishing time we all we all caught our record harvest record run and this year was actually 78 million fish that came up and we caught and you know, a little more than 12 million went up the rivers because we just couldn't catch that much. But we did the best we could, and we're, everyone's really happy. Oh, sure. Now, when Fish and Game is managing this, are they actually on the water with their own boats, or how do they actually count? How do they know how many fish have gone up or need to go up? How does that work? Yeah, so it's the, uh, the river is kind of narrow, and they have um, sonar counters, and... Some of them still have, like, actual people up there on towers with clickers counting. But uh, they're moving into sonar, and they can get a little bit better accurate, more accuracy there, especially during the nighttime. Are you catching these fish in the morning? You're like, when I go fishing, you know, usually you got to get up at the crack of dawn and get out there, and then after, you know, 9 o'clock, they're not really biting anymore if you're using mm-hmm. live bait. But this is different. This is a salmon run. So how do, what time of day do you... Does it matter, or how does it work as far as when you're on the water? So we're, so we're catching them. Um, we're catching them at the river mouth. So not quite when they get when they're in the river. They're they're at the mouth, waiting to come in. So they all come in during the tide, during the flood, hmm. and the fishing game would say, "Okay, so this six-hour flood, you guys fish it or fish the flood and the ebb, because sometimes the fish go up during the ebb, but um." Gosh, sometimes it's an eight-hour period, six-hour period, or 12, and we had a lot of 18 hours this year. Wow. And it just pretty much gives, gives us barely enough time to deliver our fish after the day to a big boat, which are these old crabbers. That's uh, their crabbing off-season, so they use their boats to come to us, and we they crane our fish out of our smaller boats into them and they're just the shuttle around they shuttle the fish to the plant the processing plant um every single day so we deliver our fish to them they shuttle it into the plant and then the plant the processing plant they're the ones who um they put it through the machines they debone them fillet them vacuum pack them and flash freeze them all all within a day or two 
and it's that makes it just the, the premium quality right there. You're not you know, letting it sit for a whole week, um, like some, I guess some places do. Really yeah, this is our, our quality. Yeah, yeah. The the only way to get fresher fish would probably be to go fish yourself up there and uh, and then eat it as soon as you catch it. But as far as the way you process yeah. it, but you do one more thing that I think makes a big difference. Uh, talk to us about uh, how and why you you bleed the fish. Oh right. So our processor, um, it's a there's maybe six or seven processors up there. The companies that we deliver our fish too and this processor that i fish for with um it's a co-op and all the boats are required to refrigerate their fish and float their fish in the 36 degree water um before we catch them and we're also required to bleed all of our fish which it gets the blood out um and it just eats so much better throughout the whole year and there's a lot of fish out there that isn't that aren't bled i know most tuna you know everyone prides themselves for bleeding their tuna and that's pretty normal but we do our salmon and it's it's pretty neat what do you what do you think is actually happening i mean when you bleed them out what why does that you know change the quality of the eating i think that the, when you when you cut open a fish and look at the the inside and the meat, there's some blood vessels, and when they aren't when they aren't when they don't have blood in them, um, the blood can even in the freezer can kind of oh I don't know it just when there isn't blood in there it just keeps better it doesn't I don't know what the word is but well I know why it works. Tell. Difference. Yeah, it works with. I know um, it works. I, I used to work in a <clears throat> beef slaughter plant, and uh, we used to bleed out the uh, cattle um, after yeah. they were stunned. They were stunned and they're yeah. unconscious, and then they uh, bleed them out by uh, bleeding their throat, and then they let all the blood drain. And what that does, it affects the quality of the meat in terms of shelf life, too. It, uh, yeah, that's exactly the same with salmon. Yeah, yeah, same thing. And I think it's you probably true of any animal. Me. Yeah, get the blood out. It's right, right in the Old Testament. Uh, God asked the Israelites to get the blood out of the animal before they ate it. <laughs> That's probably the same thing. Uh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell us about uh, um, why do you do this? I mean, there's a lot of things a 39 young, strong man could do with his young wife, and you guys have uh, been married for a couple uh, of years now. Why, why do you fish? Or, I mean, what, what is it in you that uh, wants to do this? <laughs> it, I absolutely love this job, and don't even consider it a job. It's just a lifestyle. Um, I love bringing my friends up on the on the boat. Um, so the whole crew, I have a crew of five others, and I can I can choose these guys, and they love it. They can they you know I've had them for twelve years, and it's just fun. It's kind of like camping with your guys, and you uh, I don't know. It's a, everyone's paid on a percentage, so the more everyone works, we're all working as a team. It's not like we're counting our hours at all. Gosh, if we did, we'd be, it wouldn't feel very good. But because uh, <laughs> we work so long sometimes. It's just you work together as a team, and our output is rewarded 
yeah. It sounds very cool to be out there on a boat, you know, in the Bristol Bay of Alaska, which I've been on before, uh, not for yeah. commercial fishing, but just beautiful, beautiful area. And then I know there's probably lots. You're not the only one out there. There's lots of commercial fishermen up there with you, as mm-hmm. I imagined. But you're you're catching these fish. I don't think we talked about this yet, but you're catching them in nets. And uh, correct, you're, you're net fishing? Yeah. Yep. It's 1,200 feet of gill net. And... In each river system, there's maybe three to six hundred boats that's fishing it with. Oh, you know, not right next to you, but when the fish are concentrated, it can be kind of a battle out there. So I also like that. It's a little bit of it keeps you awake when you only have um, an hour or two of sleep every day during wow. the peak of the season. So it's it's a competition. It's fun. There's you. It's so sustainable, you know. You're you're doing good to the world, you know. The ecosystems and yeah, it is beautiful up there. Lots of seals and some whale, quite a few whales you see every year, and then bears on along the bluff sometimes too. Wow, Cause you're pretty close to shore fishing as well. Yeah, for anyone listening that's never been to Alaska, it's it should be on everybody's bucket list, whether you're going to fish or not. Uh, <laughs> it's just a beautiful. I was there in the summer, and you know it's hard to sleep because it, it's hard to get used to the the twilight and the not complete darkness <laughs> in the summer. Mm-hmm. But you get used to it and use eye shades over your eyeballs to sleep. But uh, it's quite a beautiful, beautiful area to to spend time in. I'm envious of you that you get to go up there every year. When do you? When do you? So you you don't live there year round. When do you head up there to start fishing, and then when do you come back? Oh, I I, I head up in uh, early June, and so it's a June and July season. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, every single year um, they come at exactly the same time, and the peak of their run is always around July fourth. So you want to make sure your boat's running perfectly at that time. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd really miss out a lot because they they come quick and then they're gone. So June and July. Yeah, they don't they don't wait for you to fix your boat if your boat's broken. Yeah, you know, yeah. Definitely not. And that's happened to me before. It's costed quite a bit. <laughs> well, one thing we try to do in Colorado at Ranch Fresh Meats is uh, you know introduce people to the people actually producing the food, whether it's pork or beef or bison or, or fish. In this yeah. case, we're talking about you know, f- salmon where you can know exactly where it comes from, that it's sustainable, that it's not fished out uh, f- from yeah. the people actually catching the fish, you and your wife and your crew. Um, I have a, a weird question for you. Uh, you know, I go to restaurants here and there, and um, I don't usually order much fish at restaurants. Uh, but every once in a while, I'll order or see fish on the menu, and it says, line caught fish and i'm thinking in colorado here how in the world now if we were in hawaii or we're in um you know somewhere where there's a lot of ocean around us maybe los angeles maybe the east coast maybe in the philippines there, maybe maybe there's line caught fish but i'm just wondering how how they catch a line caught tuna um do, do you think that's a a genuine claim to be making or uh, to me it just seems a little ridiculous to, to make that claim yeah i mean this line caught can be i mean halibut is line caught. A lot of cod is line caught. Okay. Different ways, different methods to catch. Um, and line caught could be jigging, which is uh, off your boat. You have six or seven lines going down to the, usually to the bottom of the ocean floor. And uh, when one bites, you 
it automatically reels it up. Um, but usually long lining is line caught. So it's like, gosh, a mile of line with hooks. And they slowly drag drag the, the long line with all these hooks. And then they reel it up and they can pull up halibut. And salmon as well. But that's kind of the, the line caught process. I see. I think the, the reason they would want to make that claim is if people are concerned that net fishing is catching other species that don't necessarily get, you know, put back alive. Right. I think that's the idea, right? So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, well, in Bristol Bay, it's extremely, it's an extremely clean fishery, which is the mesh size is just exactly the uh, size of a salmon. Five were required only um, four and a half to five and a quarter mesh size. And only the salmon are running in the waters at that time. There's there's flounder at the way at the very bottom, and we don't really catch those uh, because the mesh size is just too set for a salmon. And and, this, and also the uh, it doesn't brush it along the bottom of the floor of the ocean either. Mm-hmm. So no, we only catch sockeye, which is very clean. We're not catching all these other species, which makes it. Oh, gosh, I wouldn't even fish if I was catching a lot of other species. Um, trolling, trawling is when you, you know, that can be bad when they're dragging across the ocean floor and picking up crab and other species that should thrive. So right. we don't do that. This is, this is gill netting Bristol Bay, and it's extremely clean. I'm very proud of how we do it and what we do. You have on your website um, at thundersketch.com some great information for people to go, and you have videos, and you're great about posting pictures of what you guys yeah. do. There's, that's great. It's a great resource. And uh, people can go there to buy your product, or they can go to Ranch Fresh Meats and just buy uh, your salmon fillets. That's all we stock here in Colorado. But uh, I wanted to ask you about recipes. Like, so, like maybe someone's listening and they're not really a fish eater because a lot of the farm-raised fish, honestly, it doesn't taste that good. It's like the tomatoes in Colorado. They're all grown in greenhouses and gas to be red, and they don't really have the flavor that, like, if you raise your own tomatoes in your backyard. And so I think of a lot of fish like that, too. But for people that really want to try your product and then cook it, how do you recommend, like, what are some ways people that aren't used to eating a lot of fish would prepare your 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 fish? Mm. We do have recipes on our website, and um, I I love grilling. I love grilling it. The, the sockeye have such a great taste in itself. You don't need to mask it with much, but I do a little olive oil, um, little pepper, tarragon, and that's really all you need, but if you're new to eating seafood and fish and Sometimes when I I can turn someone by just putting a little pesto on it and everyone loves pesto and garlic and basil looks really good with salmon as well. So um, if you want to really show off a recipe, I I get a, ce- a cedar plank and I soak it for a couple hours before I throw it on the grill. And skin side down, I put the fillet right on top of the cedar and then on the grill it the cedar, the untreated cedar, um, just goes into the fish and gives it a nice smoky flavor mm-hmm. along, with, along with your little seasoning you want to do. Yeah. It's delicious. 
I've used the cedar plank method. That's a great with method if you have a gas grill or yeah, it works great. And you just yeah. have to remember to silk it so you don't start on fire. <laughs> and uh, also, yeah. I love to. Uh, I have a, a pellet smoker, and you know one thing I love about your product is the way it's packaged is beautifully packaged, vacuum sealed, very high end packaging. It's mm -hmm. not like white freezer paper or a Ziploc bag that has air in it. But uh, you open these uh, vacuum packages up; they're frozen, of course, and um, you can thaw the fish out. You can thaw it out on the counter you know it thaws pretty quick but sometimes Taryn I just throw it right on the grill as frozen on my pellet smoker and it turns out great I don't really notice that yeah. I didn't thaw it do you cook it from frozen too I don't very often but when I'm like gosh what should we have for dinner well we have those, those six ounce portions which are so convenient and easy um I have before sometimes I just try to thaw it quickly but um, cookitfrozen.com is actually an Alaska Seafood Marketing Institute. Um, they s sponsor it, and they're showing people that cooking from frozen is very easy, and it comes out great. Um, they have more of the times to, to cook a little bit, little bit longer cook time, but it's still quick, and it's convenient. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my favorite thing to do is just take a six-ounce fillet out or a couple of those if it's just my wife and I eating or if I'm going to feed a bigger group, I'll get the whole side fillets and uh, put it on my spelt smoker. And then I just put a real simple uh, mayo Dijon mustard uh, with some dill seed uh, on the top of it, just mm -hmm. coated, and it just kind of melts into the meat, and it's done very quickly. It's something you don't want to walk away from or it'll get overdone. But, you know... Your fish is so forgiving because even if I did leave it on too long, uh, let's say 20 minutes instead of 10 because I got distracted, uh, it's still delicious even if I dry, cooked cooked it too long. It's just it's really nice. And then I actually cook more than I need. And I would encourage people mm -hmm. if you're cooking, you know, hey, utilize that uh, pellet smoker. You've got the whole thing fired up. So cook a bunch on there. Like do a batch cook. Cook like uh, 10 six-ounce portions at one time and then put it in Ziploc bags and there's lunch for the rest of your week, you know, just, it's just oh, delicious, yeah. you know, over salads at night when you come home or are on your way to work, uh, in your car, you can just eat it out of the bag. It's delicious because it's boneless, of course. Yeah. So there's just a yeah. lot of neat ways to, to eat it. And of course it's, you never can go wrong with just sauteing it in a pan with some butter and some garlic, you know, you just can't go, can't go wrong. Um, you ideally try not to overcook it. It's pretty easy to overcook. Yeah. But, um, it's it's still good all the way around. Yeah, love, right. Love, love our product. Love what we do, and I like showing the people, you know, who we are. We're we're good, normal people, and I think people really like to know their fishermen, and you can see all of our photos and our story and online. And we instead of the farm to table, we call it deck to dish. Our deck of our boat to your dish. Right on the, not really any middleman. It's pretty neat. Love it. Yeah, deck to dish. I, th I think this is probably the only fish that people can probably buy in the marketplace, whether they're buying it from ranchfreshmeats.com or from your website at thunderscatch.com. It's probably the only place I know of where you can actually buy uh, from the, the people catching the fish, you and your, your family and your crew. So that's pretty unique, and I think it's special, and that's why uh, I promote your product. It's, it's, it's delicious, and it's source-verified, and I am comfortable knowing that we're, this didn't come from a fishing boat that's catching all kinds of other yeah. species of fish, and their gills are getting hung up in the net, and they're dying, and we're killing dolphins and other fish that we shouldn't be killing. And so it's, I feel... Mm -hmm 
great about promoting your product and just why we're here and, and eating your product. So I just say thank you for what you do because it's a lot of work. To do what you do is a yeah. lot of work. And then what do you do the rest of the year when we just have another minute left, uh, Taryn? But when you're um, not fishing, which, what are you doing the rest of the year? Are you, are you selling your product or what do you do? Yeah, we're promoting our product. We sell to restaurants and um, grocery stores. We're smoking some of our product. Trying to work on salmon chowder and I don't know just other fun things that keep us busy and make us make us happy. Um, and we'd like to travel and rest for the next season. <laughs> Do you worry at all about? Sometimes we interview um, farmers and ranchers on this show, Food Chat, and we ask them about the sustainability of it for their next generation. Like, can your kids take over the ranch? Would there be an opportunity for them to do that? And a lot of times they they just shrug and sigh and say, "Well, I hope so," but the, you know, the 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 way things are going, it's hard to know if they'll be able to do that. But what about you? Do you think that there's another generation left of fishing this way in um, in Alaska? I do, um, and it's so hard to so hard to know. I don't have a crystal ball, but um, what fishing Alaska Department of Fishing Game they're doing their part and they're doing such a great job at keep keeping it sustainable with what we have to work with with um the warming temperatures of the oceans some you know there's many rivers um some in you know southeast alaska where they are struggling cook inlet they're not doing as as well as bristol bay and the columbia and uh that's because of the warming temperatures and um it changes what it changes like the fish have to eat, and sometimes the the warmer temperatures it doesn't give them it, it hurts the, it hurts their feed you know I get there's right. so many factors that can I just don't know what's going to happen, but I do feel like it's just been getting stronger and stronger so I feel like we definitely have another 100 years. <laughs> yeah, the way they manage that is that body of water and the fish is just incredible. So, hey, we're out of time. Thank you so much for coming on yeah. our show today, hey, Captain Taryn, and uh, our best to Kara. And uh, we'll talk yeah. to you soon, and uh, we'll we'll uh, have your fish again in stock at rancherechmeese.com very soon. So Thanks thank for, you so much. Thanks for making it so easy for people in Colorado to, to eat it. You're welcome. Take care. Bye. So you can get your Thunder's Catch Alaskan Sockeye Salmon at RanchFreshMeats.com. You can pre-order it right now, and it'll be in stock soon, for just before the holidays. And we have the six-ounce portions, and they are so easy to use. You get a small box, keep it in your freezer. Dinner is always nearby, and just a great way to support uh, Captain Taryn and his wife Kara and their family. So RanchFreshMeats.com for Alaskan Fresh Sockeye Salmon. The views and opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect those of Crawford Broadcasting, the station, management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.